0: Welcome to Your Daily Drive. Thank you so much for joining me. I am Rick Thomas, and you can find me in my cyber home at rickthomas.net. In today's podcast, I want to talk about one of the most common things that people ask us in a myriad of ways. How can I change? Or how can I help someone change? The change or transformation process is It's one of the more challenging things that we have to deal with as we interact with other people, and so I want to walk through what the process of change is like. The title of the podcast is, How Do You Know If Someone Has Changed? Now this could be about you, and that would be best to make this all about you as you assess yourself to see if you are effectually changing. Perhaps you are helping someone. You are a spouse, a parent, a pastor, a small group leader, a friend, and you want to know if the person is changing. Well, this podcast will help you. Now, if you want to read the podcast, you can do that. That would be fantastic. Go on our website, again, rickthomas.net, and look for that title. The podcast and the article are the same. How do you know if someone has changed. The article is 2,300 words, and so there's a lot of information there, plus I have a 10-minute video that you can watch as well, and then there are other articles embedded inside of this article. So there's a lot of information here, and if you are knee-deep in discipleship, counseling, helping people, then this is an excellent podcast and a lot of resources for you. These resources are brought to you by those who support this ministry. Just today, Rachel became a $50 annual supporting member. We also have Alex, who came on board and is supporting at $50 a year. And then Richard is helping us at $10 a month recurring Ted, a new supporting member at $50 a year. Thank you, Ted. And Patricia, also recurring at $50 a year. Thank you so much, Patricia. Carrie, supporting us at $5 a month. Thank you so much, Carrie, for your kindness to our ministry. If you want to help us, you can be a supporter on a monthly or annual basis, and you will partner with us so that we can continue to develop wonderful resources in the area of progressive sanctification so that you can help people around the globe. Thank you for all of our recent supporters. It is important because there is no way we can do what we do without you. Let's talk about the process of transformation. It's not as mysterious as we may think, though I think in some ways it is a secret that is hidden from most Christians. But the steps are objective, they are sequential, and they are transformative. You can change, and you can help others in their progressive sanctification. Nearly every person who comes or has come to me for help has asked a similar thing. There are many variations to this question, how do I change? How does he change? How does she change? How do I know that he has changed? What does it look like for her? No matter how you slice it, the question about change or what the Bible calls repentance, well, it's an important thing. Either the person asking wants to change himself or herself, or he wants to help someone transform. Repentance is undervalued and underutilized in Christian relationships, and that has been my experience from counseling hundreds of people for over two decades. And though the most often asked question is about change, the dynamics of transformation are not regularly active in most Christians' lives. Now, you can test yourself. You can test yourself to see if my observations are accurate for you. Let me give you six self-assessing questions that you can ask, and I guarantee that these questions will reveal how much you value and how much you utilize this idea of repentance. Are you ready? Question number one, when is the last time you asked someone to forgive you? Question two, how often do you ask your spouse or close friend to forgive you? Three, how often do you ask God to forgive you? Number four, do you regularly invite loving correction into your life? That's loving correction, by the way. We always want to speak the truth in love. But the question is, do you regularly invite those closest to you to speak into your life? Number five, are you more apt To let a person sin without calling them to repentance? And then finally, number six, are you tempted to hide your sin from your friends? Self-assessing questions. How did you do? Let me ask a few more. Are you regularly receiving and granting forgiveness? Are you a repenting friend? Do you live in a community of repenting friends? We can do that, you know. Christ came to die because of sin. He gave his life to free us from sin. Isn't the gospel amazing? Isn't it great news, the best news? The power of the gospel in our lives is limitless. We have something the world cannot experience. Our unregenerate friends are frenetic in their pursuit to drown out the noise of their guilty consciences, but not the Christian. We have an otherworldly power working in us. Regular daily cleansing is our gift because of the gospel. Are you enjoying these gospel riches? Though God justified you at salvation, the doctrine of progressive sanctification implies there is still more work to do. Progressive sanctification is the gradual and continual removal of sin, because the truth is, after you and I were regenerated by the power of God, we were not perfected. Becoming a Christian does not mean that you will never sin again. Becoming a Christian, as I like to say, it gets you in the house, it gets you in the body of Christ, but it doesn't get you to where you need to be entirely as far as perfected. And so after salvation, there is what we call progressive sanctification, post-salvation, a gradual and continual removal of sin, and repentance is God's way to remove your sin. The responsibility is on you to access this means of grace for the incremental removal of sin from your life. If you do not regularly repent of your sins, you will hinder your transformation into Christ's likeness Unremoved sin creates collateral soul damage. Let me give you a sampling of what can happen inside of you if you are not regularly repenting. Here's a short list. There will be spiritual immaturity. There will be spiritual blindness. There will be a lack of discernment. There will be a quenching of the spirit, a grieving of the spirit. There will be a hardening of the conscience. There will be a dullness of your spirit. There could possibly be addiction to sin. There could be the increase of sinfulness These things will hinder your growth in God, they will hinder your relationship with Him, and they will hinder your relationship with others. A common sense question that I have often asked in counseling when someone is sharing their personal struggle with me is, did you repent? And then sometimes I will follow up with, how did you do it? You want to make sure that when you ask that question, did you repent, that you just don't leave it there. They could say yes, they could say no, but if they say yes, you want to be thorough in your care for them, and so you want to ask, oh, you repented, fantastic. How did you do it? Now, you may be surprised at some of the answers that I have received, More times than not, the answers are vague. Sometimes they're outside biblical boundaries. It is vital that you all know how to repent. It's vital that I know how to repent. I think sometimes people can say, repent, but not carefully walk a person through the process of repenting. I want to give you several steps of what I would consider a biblical method of repentance. Now, as you listen to this process, what I would love for you to do is to ask the Spirit of God to scrutinize your life to see if you are actively and regularly doing these things. There are 12 things on this list. They are uh, sequential They're incremental. They're things that you can implement today. Now, if you want to read this, if you're going down the road and you don't have time to take notes, as a lot of people are listening as they're going to and from work, well, you could come back to the article and you can read it and you can pull these things out and they would make a fantastic discussion with your family and or a close group of friends. The title is, How Do You Know If Someone Has Changed? Here is a 12-step list of things that you can assess yourself. You should be doing these things. Number one, sin happens. Now, sin is the condition for repentance. If there were no sin, then there would be no need to go any farther because there's nothing to repent of. And so there is sin. Something happens. You transgress. It is essential to know what a transgression is. Thus, you must be able to identify it. You must have enough biblical sense to know what you did wrong. If you do not know what you did wrong, you will not be able to repent. When Paul talked about in 422 of Ephesians, to put off the old person, you need to know what you are putting off. Therefore, you want to have sound and exhaustive sin categories. You want to be able to name it and claim it. This is what I did. This is the specific sin that I have done, and if you can do that, you can move on in this repentance process. So, number one, sin happens. Without sin, no need for repentance. But you have sin, so let's go to number two. After you sin, you are declared guilty by the Lord. This condition is unalterable, is undeniable, and is unavoidable. You you have no say in this matter. If you're sin, if you do sin, you are guilty. It's not a feeling. It's just a factual reality. It's like if you cross a line, you won't feel anything when you step across the line. But once you step across the line, you are in another space. And once you step across the line and transgress, which is what the word sin means, transgression or crossing the line, once you cross that line, you're in the guilty space, whether you feel it or not. So number one, sin happens you have strong sin categories, you name it, I have sin. Of course, you are guilty before the Lord. Number three, accompanying this guilt, now that you are in this new space of crossing the line, there should be a feeling of conviction from the Spirit of God. This emotion is a kindness from God. He lets you know that you have sinned, you feel it. This is what I was talking about earlier, that if you aren't a regular repentant uh, repenter, You can have a dullness of your spirit, even to the hardening of your conscience. After a while, some people aren't able to discern, not able to feel this anymore. Thus, they don't feel that they have done anything wrong because they have become so dull because they have not been practicing repentance. The Lord is merciful to clue you in that something is wrong. Number one, sin happens. Number two, you're declared guilty. Number three, you experience conviction. Number four, the Spirit of God not only brings clarity to the sinner by convicting him, but he begins to move the sinner's heart away from his sin by reminding him of the gospel or God's solution for the transgressions. You just don't want to feel guilty all the time, and you can't go any farther. The Spirit of God illuminates and he moves you, In this repentance process, he doesn't just convict you, make you feel bad, and you have nowhere to go. But now you are being reminded of God's solution. Number five, the realities of the cross humble the convicted individual. He realizes what he did and how the Lord is merciful to take his sin and place it on his son so the sinner can experience permanent freedom from the offense. Number six, Armed with a gospel-centered awareness, the sinner confesses his sin to God. Number seven, the Lord freely forgives. The Lord freely cleanses the person from his sin. When you experience conviction, you know that you have crossed the line. You have transgressed. You have sinned. God is convicting you. You reorient your thinking to gospel-centered solutions, and the first thing you want to do is to confess that sin to God. Dear God, will you forgive me for, and then this specific sin, whatever it may be. The newly freed individual experiences restoration and reconciliation to God, number eight. Number nine, if he has sinned against others, he will confess and repent to those people as well so he can receive restoration and reconciliation from them. That is why one of the earlier questions that I asked, how often do you ask others to forgive you? Are you a regular granter and receiver of repentance? Number 10, the freely forgiven He is now compelled to share with others what God has done for him, like the woman at the well in John 4. Come see a man. You want to let others know about this great news that removes our sin far from us. Number 11. He may ask a few close friends to help him so he does not transgress again. You not only want to get rid of what you've done wrong, but you don't want to keep falling in that hole over and over again. So he shares his temptations. He shares his patterns because of his affection for God and his desire not to fall into the same traps again. He is appropriately suspicious of himself, so he solicits the help of friends to serve him in his walk with the Savior. And finally, number 12, others are encouraged and even emboldened to share their sins because they see the hope and the freedom this man has in the gospel. They no no longer want to hide but have a desire to be just as free as their repentant friend. This is a simple process that walks you through how to identify you have sin and how to get rid of it. And if these things are active in your life and the lives of your friends, well, then that answers the question, the title of the podcast, how do you know if someone has changed? This should be part of what is happening to you and your friends, and then you know. These possibilities sound too incredible, but they are the truth. You can be free in Christ all the time. Sin is only a depressing thought to those who have no means to rid themselves of their sin. But those who understand the gospel are not overwhelmed or discouraged by their sin. They are ready and willing to attack their transgressions because they know the power that is in the gospel. And the power of the gospel releases the Christian community to be a confessing and repenting community. Praise God for the Savior's cross work on our behalf. If you're part of a small group, if you have a small group of friends and they are not a confessing and repenting community, there is something wrong with your community. The goal of repentance is not vague or hard to discern. Simply put, the purpose of repentance is to be like Christ. What is repentance for? To be like Jesus. We're not like Jesus. That's what I was saying earlier. When God saves you, you're not like Jesus. Jesus was perfect. And so the idea after you become a Christian, you practice this idea of repentance so that you can transform into Christ-likeness because Jesus is the template. He is the benchmark to whom we compare ourselves. If a person is repentant, there is a conscious effort to continue to grow into Christ-likeness. Repentance is the only vehicle that will get you to the goal, Christ. And if you want to know what Christ looked like so you can model him, then let me point you to Galatians five twenty two and 23, or 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7, where you will find two great templates. I'm not going to read those to you here for the sake of time, but Galatians 5 is the fruit of the Spirit. You see that ninefold fruit that looks like Jesus, and that gives you an excellent template for how you can model your life. And then 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7 is the love chapter. That, again, is another template. If you want to know what Christ-likeness looks like, and how you can transform into Christ's likeness then Galatians 5, 23 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7 are wonderful templates. Repentance should not be a mystery. It should be obvious, objective, and measurable. All you need to do is hold up the picture of your life to the picture of Christ, then humbly move toward Him with authentic Repentance. Now, remember, you're not looking for perfection as you live out change. Being perfect is not possible. But you can, you should, see objective evidence that would signify transformation from your Adamic ways to Christ-like ways. Minimally, you should see objective manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and so forth, even if it's in embryonic form. There should be some kind of little Christ-like life that is taking root in your heart that is slowly growing. Not perfect, but it should be at least in seed form. Occasionally, I'm asked whether or not the repentance was real from an individual. This question is usually when a spouse is wondering if their spouse is genuine and sincere in their repentance. Now, this question requires biblical discernment. As you think about your friend and you're wondering if this person has truly changed, you need a good bit of biblical discernment to work through this. Some of the elements you would observe in a repentant person are things like humility, sincerity, transparency, honesty. If you're seeing things like these character traits in the life of the individual that you're wondering, if they are repentant, then there's a pretty good chance that they are. Are they humble? Are they sincere? Are they transparent? Are they honest? These character traits should accompany anyone who is sincerely seeking to live the Christ life. Now the foundation of Genuine heart and life change, of course, is humility. A repentant person is a humble person. Humility is the prerequisite to receiving God's empowering grace. We learn this in James 4, 6. It says, "...God opposes the proud, but gives empowering grace." Gives grace to the humble. Therefore, if your heart is humble, you receive grace. Empowering grace Humility opens the door to God's grace. He's no longer in opposition of you. He only opposes proud people. He doesn't oppose humble people. Empowering grace comes from the Spirit. It is the Spirit of God living in you, empowering you. And you have full power if you're walking in humility because God is on your side. The Spirit also enables and eliminates the mind. He helps you to see. The spiritual things, he helps you to see where you're going wrong and motivates you into change. Now the repentant person has the power and the clarity to identify sin and to change. This process is essential if a change is going to take place in your life. The reason it is crucial is that it represents the keys that allow the Christian to live a life of repentance and ongoing repenting. And that is what the Christian life is, repentance and ongoing repenting. Your life is progressive, which is what theologians have termed progressive sanctification. Your life should resemble the stock market, in that you should always be trending upward, though there will be dips all along the way. With the Spirit of God engaging the humble heart, and the Word of God actively and powerfully illuminating the mind, any person can change. Though there will be imperfections in exhibiting specific manifestations of the Christ's life, there should be a few things that accompany anyone who has authentically repented. Now I want to give you a list, a non-exhaustive list of some of the things to look for when addressing the heart of the person that you're wondering if they are changed. Again, you can read this podcast on our website, rickthomas.net. How do you know if someone has changed? I have walked through the process of change in those 12 short steps. Now I want to give you some ideas, some things, indicators maybe would be a good way to say it. That you can look for when helping those in the change process. One of those things is teachability. A humble person is a teachable person. He is a learner. He does not push back or resist your counsel, even if your counsel is not the best. The teachable person is not about proving his points any longer. He is more apt to listen than disagree. Even when he feels compelled to disagree, there is discernible humility in his voice. Even in his voice, you discern humility when he's disagreeing with you because it's not about him, which is the exact opposite of what sin craves. Sin is all about me. But genuine repentance has an obvious concern for God and others more than anything else. The person is teachable. Number two, they're open to correction. The repentant person is correctable. You can correct him, which is a fantastic change of events in his demeanor. The gospel-centered person has nothing to protect and nothing to hide. Now, I do not enjoy correction, but when I am corrected and by the grace of God receive it, I know the Lord is working in me because correction cuts against the grain of my proud heart. You will quickly know if a person is genuinely repentant if he is open to correction. Teachability, open to correction. Number three, change happens. Each new encounter with a repentant person, especially in a discipleship context, should be a step up from the previous meeting. I've used the analogy of walking up steps as a metaphor regarding what change should look like when caring for others. True repentance should look like a person walking up steps. He's getting higher with each level. He is moving forward as each day passes. He is progressively changing. He is improving from week to week even if only in small ways. Teachability, open to correction, change happens, and he asks more questions and makes fewer statements. A repentant person is an inquiring person. He is anxious to receive from you rather than telling you why he has done this or that. The proud person talks a lot, making many statements. The humble person will ask more questions and seek to learn because he wants to change and grow. He is no longer interested in presenting airtight arguments. He has a growing disinterest in rationalizing or justifying his actions. Next, the light has been turned on by the Lord. I do not know how to explain this one except to say that the Spirit of God is illuminating a repentant person. He understands the truth. He discerns the Bible. The biblical concepts and ideas that you communicate to him make sense to him. On a few occasions, I have counseled people who seem to be more like a concrete block in that they do not understand the truth. Now, I'm aware that I can be a poor communicator, but I'm also mindful that the Spirit of God speaks clearly to spiritual people in spite of me. If there is a lack of repentance in a person's heart, there can be dullness in his hearing." And then finally, we have a repentant person is not resistant. Now, I've already mentioned this, but it needs a standalone category because it's such a big deal. The humble person doesn't push back from your counsel. They are more self-suspicious than defiant. They are open, kind, receptive, respectful, and willing to learn. They will give you the benefit of the doubt and be quick to see the log in their eye while paying less attention to the speck in your eye. The bottom line for them is they want to change. They are less exacting and more repentant. I've had the joy of counseling many repentant people. They bring simultaneous joy and conviction to my soul. Joy because I rejoice in God at His incredible grace in their lives. Conviction because the Spirit of God often reminds me that I need to be like them. These people are my heroes. I wish I could write their stories to tell you what God has done in their lives. It is an incredible and rewarding job to be able to partner with these humble people. I am blessed to not only know them, but to watch God work so effectively in their lives. They inspire faith in me by their humble repentance and grace-motivated determination to be like Christ. Let me ask you a few questions, then I'll wrap up this podcast. Number one, are you teachable? Do you create a context of grace in your relationships that frees your friends to correct you? Number two, are you changing? If you are changing, how so? Talk about it. How are you changing? Number three, are you characterized as a question asker rather than a statement maker? If not, why not? And in what specific way do you need to change after listening to this podcast and my follow-up, Will you share whatever God is illuminating your mind with, with your friend? Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Please be sure to go to rickthomas.net and read it. How do you know if someone has changed? May God bless you as you continue the process.